You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. You can order with complete confidence today, knowing, knowing you're ordering the very Best, you can visit omahasteaks.com today and use promo code locked on at checkout to get that extra $30 off your first order. Today's episode, we're going to be going over two things I like, two things I don't like in relation to Kentucky basketball's eight games that they've played so far this season. If you've got things that you like, you've got things that you don't like about the way the team has played, whether it be schematically, statistically, an individual player, a coach, maybe. You can leave it in the YouTube comments below, or you can hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK. Let's start off here with two things that I like. Going to start off with a positive note today, as some of the recent episodes have been a little bit more negative, considering Kentucky has lost the two most important games of the season thus far. But two things that I've liked through this 6-2 and two start for the Kentucky Wildcats. Number one is something that I don't think enough people are talking about. And it's a player in the front court that I think is going to be a little bit more, obviously, uh, impactful next year. But he's getting his minutes this year in an unexpected way during this non-conference slate. Letting Uganda Onyenzo play, I think, is one of the two things that I've liked the most out of this early stretch here for the Wildcats. He's currently averaging 11.1 minutes per game, and he's not really gotten a whole lot of opportunity to do anything in the games that have mattered so far, the three games that have mattered so far for the Wildcats this season. But you look at what he did against the Michigan Wolverines and Kentucky's most recent victory. In case you didn't see it, we had a recap episode up on yesterday's show, kind of breaking down that game and breaking down our thoughts on the individual players and what we really liked about Case and Wallace, essentially. But anyway, you got an Yenzo. In seven minutes against the Wolverines, he had four points, two rebounds, two blocks, and was two of two from the foul line. You love to see something I've said time and time again on this show, a word that you have probably heard me say a million times, efficiency. We love to see efficiency out of our role players. To get four points and two blocks, I think those are the most important ones there. To get that type of, of efficiency whenever Oscar Sheway was in foul trouble is phenomenal to see. Lance Ware has not been 100% healthy over these last two games, and I'm not, I'm not sitting here criticizing Ware, who has been good for what his role has been with the Wildcats during his career, but it's almost been to Kentucky's benefit that they've needed to play on Yenzo more, not because he's a world beater or he's better than everyone UK has in the front court, right? But he, he, it's similar to another player I want to talk about here in a second. It's all about development for these young guys. Right, Getting the experience needed to make a jump into next season is really important for Onyenzo. He's got a raw offensive game. We've all seen that. But what we've also all collectively noticed is he gives a lot of effort. Regardless of what's going on, he gives a lot of effort, and he makes his presence felt. You don't see that very often from 18-year-olds who should be playing high school ball right now. So through these 79 total minutes that he's played this season, he has 32 points, 30 rebounds, and 15 blocks in the collective minutes that he has played this year. So what that translates to 
in per 40 averages is 16 points, 15 rebounds, and seven and a half blocks. Basically, what that means is we're taking his stats and we're inflating them to represent what they would look like if he played a full 40 minutes or per 40 minutes of play. That's what he is averaging. So let's say he collects 40 minutes over three games. That's what he's averaging over those 40 minutes of those three games or in just one game if he plays the entire regular, uh, uh, the entire 40 minutes of regulation. That number, by the way, is per Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, uh, that per 40 average there. You can also find his per 40 in case you want to dive into statistics as much as I do. You can find a lot of different numbers over at sportsreference.com. If you just simply Google these players and you take a look at Sports Reference, they've got a lot of really cool stuff breaking down their game logs, what you could pick out certain games and different things like that. It's really, really interesting. But yeah, if you let this kid play more, essentially is what I'm trying to say, he's going to be efficient. He has proven that this season. But the interesting thing here is, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, he's only played a combined nine minutes against Michigan State, Gonzaga, and Michigan. Obviously, like we said, seven, seven of those came against the Wolverines. So he's not gotten an opportunity to play against what we would call legitimate competition. And the only reason he had to play, got to play against Michigan was because Shibway was in foul trouble, but it's about gaining that experience, right? I'm not saying, well, if you let him play against Duke tomorrow, you know, he's going to drop 20 and get 20 blocks as well. What I'm trying to say here, it's really, really good to see in the developmental stages of this kid's career, that he is showing signs of life. He's showing signs of potential and ability to do things if you give him more time to develop. It's going to be him, and it's going to be Aaron Bradshaw locking it down next season for the Wildcats, barring a transfer portal entry from Onyenzo. Give the minutes he needs, give Onyenzo the minutes he needs now so he's not completely lost next year when you really, really need him to make really, really need him to make plays. Or more importantly, if we want to talk about this season specifically, make sure that he's a player in March. If you need somebody in the front court to step up, and I'm sure Cal is going to, you know, kind of tinker with the rotation a little bit. I think that's something that some of y'all have been a little frustrated with. But if you give him the opportunity to show up now. He's going to be able to show up for you later down down the line whenever you're looking in March and you need somebody to come in because Sheepway's either in foul trouble or whatever the case may be. You need somebody in that front court to be able to step up and say, hey, I've got you for 13 to 15 minutes instead of maybe the seven or six I would be averaging at that point because Onyenzo's minutes are probably going to go down once we get to the SEC slate. Don't get me wrong. This kid's not going to be playing a ton of minutes, but the fact that he's getting the opportunity to play is great. And so that's one of the things I like, letting Onyenzo play. The second thing that I like here is Kaysen Wallace's early arrival. So obviously, I hyped him up in the offseason. I said he was going to be my favorite player coming in. I still stick to that today. He is my favorite player on the team. He's one of my favorite Kentucky players I've uh, watched just period, and I've only gotten to see eight games of him. Really excited to see what he does with the rest of the season because I can guarantee you, He's a one-and-done prospect. He's shooting up draft boards everywhere. We're going to get to that in a second. But 11 points per game. Four and a half assists, four rebounds, two and a half steals. Those numbers may mean nothing to you. You may say, I'm not big into statistics. But you have to understand that that's a double-digit score freshman who is averaging two and a half steals per game. And look at this efficiency. Again, bring up the big word, efficiency here. He's shooting 53.1% from the floor. 
and he's shooting 50% from three. Every other time he takes a three-point shot, it's going in. And you may say, well, he's not taking a lot of game then, is he? No, he's taking three and a half threes per game. He's taking over three three shots from beyond the arc per game, and he's making half of them. And then to get a little bit more nerdy here, because again, I love statistics and I hate, I hate that, that, that some of you are not as into it as I am, but I would appreciate it. Just, just listen with me here. His effective field goal percentage is 64.1%. You may say, I've got no idea what that means. Let me break it down for you real quick. Effective field goal percentage is essentially weighted to value the three-point shot a little bit more than it already is. So you take the field goals made from a player and you add that to 0.5 times their three-pointers made. And then you divide that by their field goals attempted. I'm not going to go down and break down the individual stuff because that's not what this podcast is for. But it's essentially a very basic way of computing how much more valuable the three-point shot from an individual player is just based on, you know, how valuable it is. It's an extra point relative to, you know, the average field goal percentage. So his few effective field goal percentage is almost 10% higher. It actually it is over 10% higher. It's 11 than his actual field goal percentage. And there are only so many players in the SEC that are higher than that. In fact, based on my research, there are only three players in the Southeastern Conference through eight games that have a better effective field goal percentage than he does. He is extremely valuable to this team. And if he continues to play the way that he is, he's going to be a lottery pick. Some NBA draft boards have him mocked going around that 7 to 15 range, depending on where you look. Comps, if you, if you want to look around, I mean, we've talked about this before on the show. Drew Holiday is one that comes to mind. Shake Milton is another. And I'm not sitting here saying, well, I can't wait to get, to get this kid to the league so I can see what he does. I'm excited about what he's going to do for us this year because we have Shake Milton or we have Drew Holiday on this team. And that's really exciting to think about especially considering the fact that a lot of us are upset with the fact that Kentucky make, can't make a run in, in the postseason because they don't have good enough guard play. Uh, this is a guy you're going to want to have on your team if you want to be able to make a run in Mark, March. Excuse me. Working on free throw shooting, giving him more playing time is going to help his development. Put this kid, Kaysen Wallace, in as many situations as you can to make him an MVP caliber asset in the NCAA tournament. Because I truly believe that is his ceiling. He's extremely valuable to this team. Extremely valuable. All right. Now that we've gone over two things that I like, two players that I've been really excited about, I want to go over two things that I don't like about Kentucky basketball through their first eight games of the season. I think it's a lot about direction for the Wildcats that that they've not been able to get a grasp on. And it's fixable. We're going to talk about those issues in just a second. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Omaha Steaks. The holidays are here, achieving gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha Steaks. They are absolutely fantastic. The steak experts over at Omaha Steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you the holiday hero. You can send an assortment of mouth-watering favorites guaranteed to impress, like the legendary butcher's cut filet mignon, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers, and even easy-to-prepare comfort meals that are ready in a flash. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away, so shop early and beat the shipping rush. You can visit omahasteaks.com today and use promo code LOCKEDON, that's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout and get an extra $30 off your order. 
Minimum order may be required there. So again, visit omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get an extra $30 off your order. Would highly encourage you guys to go check Omaha Steaks out. All right, continuing along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On, Kentucky Lance Dahl hanging out here with you. So we did two things that I like. And again, if you disagree, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below. If you have other things that you like, because there's plenty of positive things to talk about. I mean, we have not even gotten to Antonio Reeves. We will later in the show. I've got a question for you guys that I would love to get an answer to. But now that we've done two things that I like, let's do two things that I have not really been a fan of, two things that I don't like through Kentucky's six and two start. I think the biggest thing, and we've talked about this, but I want to want to take it in a different direction. The offensive game plan. So we've harped about the frustrations with the scheme. And I don't want to resign myself to a position because I think the opportunity for change is still there. But if John Calipari, who has been the man calling the shots for 14 seasons now, if he does not have it, it in the bag after coaching here for 14 seasons, if he doesn't have the bag, and you know what I'm talking about, specifically the last three or four seasons, by the way, considering how the game has evolved, if he does not have it, then he probably does, will not have it in the future. There's nothing we can do about the fact that Kentucky's offense is sporadic and is not phenomenal in late-game situations, considering the personnel Cal has on his roster or has had for a few years now. There's nothing that we can do about it, except acknowledge that the players that we have currently are arguably more clutch than the guys that were here last year, specifically in the backcourt. And next season, we're going to have a ridiculous amount of talent that's likely going to carry regardless of whatever scheme Cal puts out there. So, I've resigned myself essentially to the fact that, listen, if we get a little bit more modern play and we get a little bit better execution and scheme out of, out of the late game situations, right, then I think we, we will all be pleased. I think we were all especially pleased whenever what was somewhat of a broken play turned into a case in Wallace 3 uh, at the end of regulation there against Michigan uh, just a couple of days ago. We need more of that out there. But I'm not expecting that to be a consistent theme. So it's either going to be have it's going to either have to be Kentucky takes over late, talent takes over late, or we lose. It is what it is for me. It's something that I have not liked. And to be a little bit more specific, I think you need to be more direct about how you want to utilize Severe Wheeler. So let's be more direct in our offensive game plan, right? Schematically as a whole, let's be more decisive. It's what it's about for me: is direction, making the decisions. Not just saying mentally, okay, I'm going to make this decision, but actually then following through and acting on it. Because sometimes there have been moments where in Kentucky sets where, or whenever they've run stuff, obviously this team is full of a lot of confident shooters, but it will be the, the hesitation that really gets you. The hesitation to give that pass, extra pass. The hesitation to t- try and make that layup, even though it could be potentially contested. Sometimes you got to go up and make, the, make, make it happen. But being more direct with this one specific player, point guard Severe Wheeler, I mean, is he at his best when things are more flowy, a little bit more chaotic? I think maybe you can have that argument. That's for a question for another day. Maybe. But if Severe Wheeler is going to shoot 37% from the floor, which, by the way, is less than C.J. Frederick, who has taken more shots than Wheeler, just four more. So he's shooting worse than C.J. Frederick, who everybody's been extremely negative on. But if he's going to shoot like that against opponents not named Bellarmine, Things need to be adjusted. And by the way, if I'm butching Bellarmine, Bellarmine, the Knights, 
I'm, I'm homeschooled. What do you want me to do? I can't pronounce anything. Things need to be adjusted is, is what I'm saying. If he's going to shoot that poorly. And it's, it's, it's kind of a give and take thing, right? He assists on over 40% of the baskets Kentucky makes whenever he's on the court. So obviously he's a valuable asset. Is it that just kind of, is it the kind of situation where it's just like, well, if he's going to suck at shooting and he's going to take a decent amount of shots, then, you know, you're also going to be excited about the fact that he can facilitate the offense. Well, we've just previously established that the offense is um, not as, I would say, um, I don't even know what word to use. I guess, I guess structured would be one word that you could kind of use there. And, uh, you know, you, you look at the way that Severe Wheeler is utilized. Is it a situation where it's just like, okay, whatever. It, it, it is what it is, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. Then still, I would like for Kentucky to look at other options just to acknowledge, okay, well, if this is the best that we can get in this situation, let's look at maybe some other players, most specifically, Kaysen Wallace. So I'm going to dive back into the numbers here. Just bear with me. Kaysen Wallace's assist rate. In case you're wondering, it's same thing as what I just mentioned with Severe Wheeler. It's how many baskets the individual player assists on while he's on the court. How many made baskets are his assists? Wallace's assist rate is about 25%. So it's lower than Wheeler's, but it's more than double anybody else on the team. Because Wallace has been able to prove in his limited minutes or in his limited moments through these eight games here that as PG1, he can do a lot. He can shoot, he can defend, he can distribute. So you look at Case and Wallace and how efficient he's been. And on top of that, he's actually doubles as a really good facilitator. And I would love to be able to see more lineups where Case and Wallace is that dude at point because he's shooting so well. Why wouldn't you give him the opportunity to maybe also do what he's statistically proven he can through eight games? And to kind of let you know what's happening with the lineup rotation. I don't know how many of you take a look at Kim Palm, but I love it here. It was a big influence on the way I did game breakdowns last season on this show. But lineups are really important, and rotations are really important, and personnel is really important. And you don't necessarily have to dive into the numbers to look at X's and O's and, ma- or, and matchups, how different players match up with who and who your best players are and how much you want to play them. 12.5%. That is the amount of lineups Kentucky has run this season where Wheeler isn't on the court, but Case and Wallace is. Only 12.5% of the time in, an, in a game does Wallace get into a rotation where he can be the main point guard. I want to see that number jump. I want, I, and I don't mean significantly. I mean to maybe 18 19%. Give him a little bit more time. See what he does with that extra added minutes. Those extra added minutes. If the efficiency goes down, then maybe we look at an adjustment. You're going to have to, I guess, at some point. I'm not saying that Severe Wheeler is going to get injured. I'm just saying that based on his history, you're probably going to get an opportunity to do it. And so I think that Kentucky needs to be ready for that and adjusting things now while you still have a couple of more easy games. Looking at you, Louisville. I think that you need to make the decision. And I'm not saying cut. Wheeler out of the lineup, still use him. He's only being used on 20% of possessions. So let him be the assist man. Just think about how you want your lineup to look. Adjust things a little bit. That's one thing that I've not liked is the offensive game plan and not being direct and making the decision whenever you've decided that you're going to make the decision. The second thing that I have not liked, free throw shooting. Now, this is a pretty basic one here. Kentucky is shooting 68.4% from the foul line. 
Sub 70 is never good. Right at 70 is never good. You love to see a team that's somewhere between 73 and 100. But that 68% is 10th in the SEC. You may say, Lance, it's not the worst in the conference. There are 14 teams. 10th is not absolutely terrible. It's on the brink of it. And you're right, it's not completely terrible. But I want you to look who's underneath us here. Look who's underneath Kentucky in free throw shooting. It's Auburn, South Carolina, Mississippi State, and Vanderbilt. Now, before I dog these teams, I just want to make a point here. Kentucky needs their free throw shooting in some of these close games if they're going to want to make a run, not even in the postseason. If they want to make a run in an SEC title, they're going to have to do it now. Because I don't know if you know this, but one of the biggest games to open up the SEC slate, just three games into Kentucky's SEC slate, they travel to Alabama on January 7th. That's going to be a tough one. That's going to be a tough one. That's right before LSU, and that's right before Missouri. Obviously, you've got Louisville sandwiched in there, but goodness gracious, we don't even know what's going on with them. I'd love to make fun of them, but now I just kind of feel bad. But you're going to have to get things fixed, and you're going to have to get them fixed quick. Also, your next game after, road game after Alabama at Tennessee. Good luck. So yeah, Kentucky, shooting very poorly from the, from the foul line. 10th in the SEC, Auburn, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, underneath them. Do you know how many combined finishes those four teams right there that I just mentioned, do you know how many combined finishes they have inside the top 75 nationally in free throw shooting over the last three years? None. None of those four teams have been considered a good free throw shooting team over the last three seasons. Only once have any of those teams finished in the top 75 in free throw percentage in the last five seasons if you count 2019 Mississippi State? That's it. So we're dealing with five, four teams here that over the last half decade have not been good free throw shooting teams. And I went back for a couple of them. I mean, South Carolina's just about never been a good free throw shooting team, at least since Ken Palm was created, <laughs> created in 2009. Actually, excuse me, since Ken Palm was created in 2002. And uh, Auburn has not really been a good free throw shooting team either. So this is one of those things where it's kind of like a, a prestige thing. Like, hey, guys, we have shooters. We're Kentucky. Let's, um, let's, let's, let's see if we can pick it up here because it is a concern not just for, like, pride, but also for the fact that, hey, you're probably going to be in a lot of close games this year. Bama, Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, Arkansas, goodness gracious. You're going to have to be able to make those free throws. You're going to have to be able to clutch up. And you've got the personnel. You've got Frederick. You've got Reeves. Wheeler's actually been a really good free throw shooter so far this season. Knock them down. Let's settle in. Let's knock them down. Let's make that adjustment. All right. Those are the things that I liked. Those are the things that I did not like. I'm going to get into a question here that I want to ask you guys about who the biggest surprise for the Wildcats has been so far this season. I've got three players because I think you can just about limit it to three. And then I want to hear your, hear your feedback. Before we get to those three guys, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Built Bar. Guys, you have got to try Built Bar's new reimagined flavors that they have released just recently. Got a lot of different brownie and cookie-themed things coming out. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownies, uh, coconut brownie toppers. These are all absolutely phenomenal. And then I'm just going to read this one off to you. I've had it a couple of different times. I would highly encourage you to explore this one for yourself. White chocolate peppermint granola. It's Built Bar's take on the granola bar. It's more filling, and it's insanely delicious. White chocolate peppermint. 
It's it's one of the best combinations on the on, on the planet. They've also got candy cane brownie. Built Puffs are also out. That's the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They got a ton of different really good flavors for those as well. For for anyone who hasn't tried Built before, by the way, it's literally the best pro- tasting protein bar out there. Period. Hands down. They've got so many different different flavors. The ones I just mentioned. Salted caramel is another good favorite here on the show. Cookies, cookies and cream is actually another one. I'm looking right over to my left. There's actually a cookie dough built bar right over there. They are really, really good. They are also really, really good for you. They are shockingly low in sugar and calories. They've only got 130, 30 calories on average for every bar. And they got a ton of protein as well. You can get 15% off your order right now if you go to built dot com and use promo code locked on 15 l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-1-5 at built.com that's 15 percent off your first order guys you have got to try these they are absolutely delicious all right wrapping up the tuesday edition of locked on kentucky lance Dahl hanging out here with you the question i would like to post to you i'm going to put this as a poll on youtube on twitter on rup rafters Even though some of you over there like to get a little rowdy, I'm going to go back over there. I've not been over in a long time. Uh, Hopefully, you will be kind and receptive to what I have to ask. The question I wanted to pose to you guys, who is the biggest surprise for Kentucky basketball so far this season? Three candidates here. We're going to talk about them each a little bit briefly, and then I'm going to let you have it in the comments below. First candidate, and this is not in order, you got onions, though. We've already talked about him. 11 minutes a game, been extremely efficient in those. If you bring it up to per 40, he's averaging six, 16, 15, and seven and a half blocks. The kid has been efficient. He's been, he's asked, he's done what he's been asked to do and then exceeded that. Is he going to continue to do it? Don't think so, especially considering his only legitimate minutes have come against no-name opponents, but I think that he has been a surprise. I didn't expect him to play much. I didn't expect him to have to play much at all, to be honest with you, and really he hasn't. But whenever he has, he's looked good. He's been timing those blocks really well, like we all talked about in the offseason. He's been a defensive menace. He's been aggressive. He's had a lot of effort, a lot of energy. Like I mentioned earlier, I think this is the most important thing. For an 18-year-old freshman, he's made his presence known when he's on the court. You know when number 33 is on the court, and you have to be aware of it. you got on Yenzo, one of the biggest surprises so far this year. Antonio Reeves, I told you we'd get to him, lead the team in scoring right now. So if, if I had told you, hey, we're going to get through this non-conference slate and Antonio Reeves is going to be the leading scorer on the team, what would you say? You'd say, well, either Sheway's not 100% healthy or Reeves is just going off. And I think it's been a little bit of a mix there because obviously Sheway's only played six games and in a couple of those he's not been utilized to his fullest extent. But we could get through this non-con slate, and Reeves could be the, the best scorer on the team. And a lot of you had doubts, saying, how is this kid from Illinois State going to be able to translate to the SEC? Uh, I've got a few words for you. Uh, CJ Fredericks transferred in from Iowa, and he is currently shooting. He is currently shooting 42.1% from the floor. He was a really, really good shooter at Iowa, a power six school. Anyway, moving along here, I think Antonio Reeves definitely deserves to be in the conversation for biggest surprise so far this year. We'll have to see what he does for the rest of the season. And then the final final player here that I think that we should definitely mention is Kaysen Wallace. Obviously, 
I'm fanboying here. You know, he's picked to go somewhere between 7th and 15th in uh, NBA mock drafts, but he's always going to be number one in my heart here on this show. You can't take that away from me. Doesn't matter what you do the rest of the season, Kaysom, right here with you, brother. But yeah, he's definitely been a huge surprise so far this season. A double-digit score, freshman. You always got to keep eyes on them, even if they were projected to be something insane coming out of high school. I mean, this kid was projected to be a defensive menace, and he's been one of the most offensively efficient players that I've seen, not just at Kentucky, but in the in basketball, college basketball period, in a hot minute. So, I mean, we've seen different players go on stre- have stretches like this, but if you can project this out and you can say, okay, this is a possibility for this to happen for the rest of the year, and then it does happen... Um, he's not, by the way, he's not going to be shooting 50% from three at the end of the year, but if he's shooting, if he's shooting higher than 40, we need to have a conversation. Okay. We need, let's come back to that. Cause we're, we're, we're going to have a serious conversation. Like, okay, what's going on here? But yeah, defensive menace tabbed out of high school. He's been really, really good for the Wildcats on both ends of the floor. And also he's been clutch in regulation. <laughs> he's been clutch in regulation, but knocking down your free throws is going to be the big thing that's probably holding him back here. But it does not prevent him from being a huge surprise. No doubt about it. He's been a huge surprise, I think, just how well he's played. I mean, I think that you would look at this, the just the the surface-level numbers, points per game, rebounds, stuff like that, be like, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. But if you dig a little bit deeper into the efficiencies and stuff like that, it's like, whoa, okay, this guy's actually legitimate. So those are the three candidates here for biggest surprise for Kentucky basketball so far this season. Onyenzo, Reeves, Wallace, have that in the comments. Going to put this up at a bunch of different polls, different places. If you want to go fill it out everywhere you can, uh, you, it's, it's your choice. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. If you want to just hit it, hit it in the comments, then that's perfectly fine with me as well. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hey, you guys can follow the show on Twitter over at Locked On UK. You can follow me over at Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the comments. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.